from the beautiful West 7th neighborhood of St. Paul, Minnesota, you're listening to the Capital City Podcast. So when I was four, my family moved from Virginia to Minnesota to be closer to my mom's family. My mom was family friends with the family who was selling the house. And since my parents weren't able to get to Minnesota to see the house, that family was nice enough to make a video of the house and send the VHS tape out to us. The two things I still remember from the video were the foot of snow outside and their cat. When we finally moved to the middle of the summer, when we finally moved in the middle of summer, the first thing me and my sister did was run around the house looking for the cat. I soon discovered to my dismay that they did not leave their cat with the house. I also quickly discovered that there is no snow in Minnesota in the middle of summer, which I am very thankful for now. So when we look ahead in our lives, we often have hopes and expectations of what the future will hold. As we get older, those hopes are probably a little bit more realistic than a foot of snow in the middle of summer. But even as we learn to adjust our hopes and expectations, we still sometimes experience disappointments and hurt, whether from someone we know closely who breaks our trust, setbacks in life we didn't expect, or loss we couldn't have predicted. And maybe there are also areas where hurts and disappointments have piled up and it seems easier to have no expectations of the future or to expect the worst rather than to hope and be let down. As each of us transitions from summer to fall and our rhythms change, and as Capital City experiences this time of transition, we may hold various hopes and expectations for this next year. And while God has a good plan for all of us, some of the specific hopes and expectations we have will happen and others won't. But because of God and what he has promised, there are certain things we can hope for and expect with certainty to happen as we trust and follow him, no matter what the future brings. So today we are going to look at why can we hope, how do we hope with expectation, and what things can we hope for and expect with certainty. So first, why can we hope? The good news is that the reason for our hope doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on what other people think of us. It doesn't matter how smart we are or how much money we make. And it doesn't even matter that we don't deserve it. Our hope and confidence is because of Jesus and his death that has made a way for us into God's presence. Because of Jesus, we can enter into God's holy presence and know God who is all-powerful and loves us unconditionally. So Hebrews 10, 19 through 21 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. So we'll continue the rest of the passage later. But we can see that the reason for our hope is through the blood of Jesus that allows us to enter into God's presence. So next, how do we hope with expectations? Sometimes we know in our head what is true, but that belief doesn't always fully translate into every area of how we live our lives. Sometimes what we believe to be true can be very different from what we feel is true, and what we know to be true doesn't always change how we live our lives. I remember one summer when my sister and I learned how to set up the top ropes for rock climbing. My sister bought all the gear and we both took a class on how to set up the ropes and do it safely. The first time we set up a climb by ourselves, we drove up to Taylor's Falls, one of the few places in Minnesota you can climb outside. We set up everything, double and triple checked it was done properly, and then my sister hooked onto the rope, climbed over the edge of the cliff, and let herself all the way down. Then after she walked back up the path to the top of the cliff, I hooked in to do the same thing. Climbed over the edge and stood on a small lip in the rock. The top of the cliff was maybe up to my shoulders, and I was hanging on to part of the rock at the top of the cliff. At this point, I wasn't quite far enough down to feel the pull of the rope on my harness, and it felt like I was completely unsecured hanging onto the side of the cliff. 
And at that point, my entire body was strongly reminding me that if something wasn't set up right, and I tried to go down the edge of the cliff, that I would fall and die or be seriously injured. <laughs> so I again, double, triple, double and triple checked my harness, and my sister also checked everything and assured me everything was good. But that knowledge didn't keep me from feeling that if I leaned back, the rope wouldn't hold me and I would just fall straight down. Eventually, I had to make the choice to lean back and take a step down the side of the cliff. Only then was I able to feel a strong tug of the rope on my harness and feel safe and secure as I went down the side of the cliff. In a similar way, it is much easier to hope and believe God's word to be true when there's nothing at risk, but much harder to hope in God when we have something to lose. Believing that God will give us peace and rest might be easy until it requires us to let go of the things that have given us a sense of security and comfort. Believing God will give us healing and new life might be comforting until it means we have to let go of the old patterns and plans for our lives and instead surrender fully to God's plan for our lives. It's much easier to hope in God when we are still hanging on to our option B, just in case he doesn't come through. But much harder to step out and put our hope in God when doing so leaves us with only God to hang on to. But the good news is that God is faithful, and in him we can have an expectant hope. And as we look to God and draw close to him, we will experience the fulfillment of his promises. Hebrews 10, through 23 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We are invited to draw near with a true heart. God wants our genuine heart. Whether we are wrestling with questions like David does throughout the Psalms, or when we have very little we can tangibly give, like the widow who could only give a couple coins, yet was praised by Jesus over those who gave out of their wealth. God delights in our true hearts and desires that we draw near. As we draw near, we more fully experience God and his perfect faithfulness. And it's because of his faithfulness that we can hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. While the tangible feeling of safety and security we experience from God may not come as immediately as it did for me while I was rock climbing, as we learn to step out and hope in God and trust his word, we will tangibly experience the goodness and faithfulness of God, and our lives will more fully reflect the good news of Christ. So we've talked about why can we hope, how do we hope with expectation, but what things can we hope for and expect with certainty as we trust and follow God? I'm sure that if I asked everyone, we could come up with a long list of things we can trust God to do. But for the sake of time, we'll just look at a few things for this morning. So first, as we look to God, we can expect healing and new life. So I'm going to go through a few verses. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And next, Isaiah 43, 18-19 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And Psalm 147:3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God's heart is for healing and restoration. So there's an Instagram account I ran across and now follow called Baumgartner Restoration. Naturally, I was curious because Baumgartner isn't the most common last name and is my last name. So this guy, Julian Baumgartner, takes pictures and time-lapse videos as he painstakingly restores various pieces of art. 
He can take artwork that is hundreds of years old with paint chipped off or rifts and tears in the canvas and paintings that look ruined beyond repair and restore them so they look stunning and new again. In the hands of almost anybody else, these paintings would be beyond hope of repair. But with his expertise, attention to detail, and skill, these paintings are beautifully restored. God wants to do the same thing with us. He created each of us and knows the depth of beauty and design in each of us, even as sin has marred and broken us in various ways. God knows the exact process each of us needs for restoration. He has the patience to walk through each time-consuming step and is patient with us even when we're too stubborn or scared to allow him to do his work in us. The scars on his hands show the depth of his desire to make us new. The scar on his side show his desire to draw us close, even close enough to feel the sharp edges of our brokenness. Because of God's faithful love for us, we can expect healing and change in our lives as we allow him to do his work in us. But that might mean letting go of our own idea for growth and new life. It might mean trusting God and following him when things are confusing and don't make sense. I remember one time going down a rabbit hole, uh, searching for what it's like for caterpillars as they transform into butterflies. There are some types of caterpillars where as they hang upside down in their chrysalis, most of their body dissolves to the point that if you were to puncture the side of the chrysalis, it would literally just ooze out. If caterpillars could think, I imagine they would be wondering how they came from eating as much as they wanted every day out in the sun to hanging upside down, constrained in a chrysalis as their body dissolves. But in the midst of that confusing, vulnerable state, the caterpillar is being reshaped into a new butterfly. Even in the midst of vulnerable and confusing times in our lives, we are wrapped in the safety of God's hands. And as we stay in God's hands, he is making us into something new, better than anything we could imagine. So we can expect healing and new life from God. We can also expect peace and rest from God. That doesn't mean we are never tired or stressed. Most people I can think of in the Bible experienced stressful times and hardships. Even Jesus was exhausted at times and experienced great distress. But even in the midst of those times when we are overwhelmed or have real worries about how things will work out, God will give a deeper peace and a deeper rest as we look to him. So next we'll look at Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. It's not the circumstances going on in our lives that dictate our ability to have peace and rest. When we are rooted in God and look to him to sustain us and are nourished by his word, we can find a deeper rest and peace, even in the midst of hardships and stress we will inevitably experience in life. God is the good shepherd. He knows where the green pastures and still waters are that we need for peace. As we let him lead us, he will bring us to the places where we experience rest and peace. Lastly, in Christ, we have hope and certainty for holiness and good works. I remember when I was in middle school or high school, sitting in a pew during church and thinking that I wasn't bad enough that God would want to use my life for a big transformation testimony. But I also figured I wasn't a good enough Christian that God would want to be at work in my life and use my life. I felt stuck in the middle where God had saved me, but now that I was saved, he didn't have much desire to use my life and wouldn't be interested in changing me. 
And while I didn't realize it then, the truth is that Jesus coming down to earth and dying for each of us on the cross is evidence that he wants to be in close relationship with each of us. And because he wants to be in close relationship with us, he also desires to involve us in the work he is doing. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only has God prepared works for us to do, but because he has created and meticulously designed each of us, he knows what work is best for each of our lives. As we are with God doing his work, he also calls each of us to be holy as he is holy. Despite what I thought in middle school, it is not just those who I thought were the top Christians who can expect holiness, but every believer as we look to God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And 1 Peter 1, 13-16 says, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. God desires holiness for every believer and has prepared good works for all of us to do. So this morning we have looked at why can we hope? Because of the blood of Jesus that allows us to enter into God's presence. How do we hope with expectation? We draw near with a true heart to God who's faithful. And lastly, what can we hope for and expect with certainty? And today we talked about the healing and new life, peace and rest, and holiness and good works. As we remind ourselves of the expectant hope we have in God, let us also encourage those around us of that hope. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'm so grateful for the ways I've seen many people here at Capital City encourage each other and stir up one another um, to love and good works and to hope in God. And I'm so grateful for the ways I have personally experienced that in my own life for many here. May we rest more deeply in the truth that God gives us newness, peace, and holiness as we follow him. And may we invite others, to, others closer to see this hope instead of pushing away in judgment. And may we continue to put our hope in God more and more completely. So with that, I'll close in prayer. Uh, dear Jesus, I just thank you for the tangible hope that you have given us and that we do have um, a real hope and expectations, you know, in our day-to-day -day lives um, and as we look forward. In your name, amen. This is a project of the Capital City Church in the West 7th community of St. Paul, Minnesota. Find us on Instagram at Capital City Church STP or visit our website for more information at capitalcitystpaul.com. Thank you.